0: here, I mean it's obviously he's working amongst us this morning, there's no doubt about that there's no better place for God to work than where the churches meet, met together in his name and we have the preaching of the word um, I mean the, the quality of preaching and oratory may vary but in a sense it doesn't matter in the end I think John intimated that from last week really the preaching of God's word however simple, however feeble sometimes God works with his own power I don't have to strut up and down. I might move about this morning, but I don't have to strut about this morning waving my hands for God to do something. When God wants to do something, he'll do it. There's no doubt about that. But we, one thing we know and we're assured of, we're here in the power of God because of Jesus. The power of Jesus' name. I don't know what you'll, you expect from this morning. Um... It would be quite easy in some way to, to preach about healing. But I, don't, I want the sort of way we're going this morning, I want us to soak ourselves in the truth of God's word. That we, there might be in some way, we might be moving toward recovering what God wants for his church. Recovering the place where God manifests his own presence by the things that he does. That's what, I, that's what I really want, and I'm sure that's what you really want too. And I know people are praying towards this morning that we might see healings. Um, I suppose if we, we think about healing, uh, our mind, or your mind, my mind, I don't know about your mind, I don't know where it goes, but um, my mind immediately goes to American-style preachings where you have one man laying hands on people and they all fall down and they're all healed. They're all healed of diseases. But to be real about this... That is only one very small area of God's healing power. A research was carried out that if there were no psychosomatic problems in people's lives, there would be 60% less medical problems. So I think there's healing of the mind, healing of the emotion. Healing of the whole person. And when we talk about healing, we're really focusing sometimes on our our sicknesses and our illnesses. I'm going to read a passage let's read a passage of scripture together. And um, I'll just borrow Margaret's Bible because I don't want to mess about with my iPad here for a minute. If you can turn to to Matthew chapter four None of us were actually given a passage to read from. I wasn't given a passage to read from healing, so as I usually do, I said, Lord, you know, what do you want? Where do, you, where do I go for this? And he said, the Beatitudes. All right, but we can start in chapter 4. Maybe we'll see how this works out in the end. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. Memory of soaking ourselves in the truth of God more than me preaching to you about healing this morning. then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted or tested by the devil in another place, one of the itis writers that God led him into the desert so it 's something that both Satan was at and God was at working in jesus life. This was the demonstration. Of the power of God. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. We live in that sort of world where Satan's still telling people to throw themselves down and let God show his power. Irresponsibility. Do what you want. God will take care of you in the end. Or just do what you want. Throw yourself down. Go destroy yourself. Do what you want to do. Verse 7. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them her light has dawned. From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics. And he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and beyond the Jordan. And seeing the crowds, he went up onto a mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Prophets were men of integrity. They were men with an answer. They were the right men at the right time in the right place. They were men who were persecuted and yet they had a value on their lives that Jesus said was so important. And Jesus said, when you're persecuted... You're like the prophets. You can become people with an answer. People with a message. People at the right time and the right place to serve God. That's what Jesus was saying, almost in what he said. If you're persecuted as Christians, and sometimes we think of all the good things and the blessed things and the things, the healing that God wants to bring about and the changes that God wants to bring about. And as john has said before whilst there's a theology for healing god has an answer that people can be healed and and make life really good and really blessed and really happy there's the other side there's also truth about suffering there's truth about how we cope in difficult situations the truth about how god actually works out healing to us going through difficult situations so it's the The healing spectrum is so vast and so wide. It's not just about people falling down and being immediately healed of their diseases. How wonderful and how great that is and how good it would be to see that happen here this morning. How good it would be for us to see that happen here this morning. Father, you know us. We're gathered here in your name in the power and the presence of Jesus Father, we just want to please you. We want to honour you. We want to see lives changed, turned around. Father, some really difficult situations in our community this morning. Father, would you come by your power and begin a work that we could never do? Change us, Father, as a community and as individuals. Thank you, Father. We're in this Kingdom series, and as I said earlier, it's the chance to try and recover something of the manifest presence of God as we meet together as a church. There are things that we can do, and really the preaching is encourage us to look for more. Is to look for what God wants to do amongst us. I just wanted to read um, a quote of Bill Johnson. Now, Bill Johnson is, say... One of the good American pastors, leaders of a church, there are many not so good, though we understand, but he's good, his preaching is good, and he's, he's actually, the way he's led and taught his people, they're actually involved in seeing God's power at work amongst people. He said this, One of the most devastating lies that has been injected into our culture is that we came from monkeys. It's devastating for this reason. If you get rid of a creator God, you get rid of design. If you get rid of design, you get rid of purpose. If you get rid of purpose, you get rid of accountability. If there is no need to be accountable for your choices, it dismantles any sense of fear of God. That's not being afraid of God but that's admitting that actually God is the creator of the world and that he is involved in our lives every day. You know, the understanding, the respect, that what, said, what God has said and recorded in our Bibles is actually what he wants, how he wants to deal with people, and that's wonderful. And he went on to say is that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The Beginning of Wisdom. So David Attenborough receives many letters from creationists who ask him why he doesn't give credit to a creator for the wonderful design features he demonstrates on his shows. He answers, When creationists talk about God creating every individual species as a separate act, They always instance hummingbirds or orchids, sunflowers and beautiful things. But I tend to think instead of a parasitic worm that is boring through the eye of a boy sitting on the bank of a river in West Africa that's going to make him blind. And I ask them, are you telling me that the God you believe in, who you also say is an all-merciful God, who cares for each one of us individually, are you saying that God created this worm that can live in no other way than in an innocent child's eyeball? Because that doesn't seem to me to coincide with a God who's full of mercy. Good question. Good challenge. But yes, we have to ask that question. Why does the worm... Why has the worm moved outside of its created order to affect the lives of individuals and make them blind? Well, there's one good reason for that, and it's because we live in a fallen world. And before we go any further, we need to reaffirm to ourselves that the one root cause for every sickness, every malady, every disease, every problem, every difficulty we might face, breakdown in relationships, heartaches, suffering, whatever you might call it, can be attributed to one Satan himself. He plays around with people's minds, he plays around with Adam and Eve's mind and calls them to doubt what God has said. That's where it began. Wherever it goes, all this trouble in this world, sickness and disease, it goes back to him. God never created an imperfect world. God never created that sort of thing that would destroy life and destroy part of people's lives. So there's an aspect here. What's gone wrong? What's out of order? And the out of order is that it began there. We live in a fallen world, And Jesus is going to be the one who actually renews it and restore it. Isn't that good news? In every way, the coming of Jesus, he's going to put it all back together again. He's going to make it all new. He said, behold, I make all things new. And that's a sense of hope stirring with us, what God's going to do in the future. He's also making things new now. He's also making things now. Sickness and disease. Perspective. The Bible records the history of Jewish people. God's dealing with these people actually show how the fear of God can be lived out or as it also shows how trying to go it alone and ignore God's grace and mercy leaves the person in the greatest sense of need that could ever be known. A research was carried out for cervical cancer. And it was noted that the cases of cervical cancer were virtually nil amongst Jewish women. It's all due to the fact that the male Jew has been circumcised. Now, that's a very good clinical reason for people living... many people living together in places where hygiene isn't very good. There's a good medical reason for that. Now, that thing that Abraham did... He set circumcision as a way of obedience to God. So it, was, it wasn't only something that, he, that God asked him to do, but actually it's a demonstration of his fear of God. It was a demonstration that he touched into God's voice, and he did what God said. And the people did that. And so there were medical and clinical reasons why That had to happen, but it became a spiritual thing because it was talking about, in the end, how that we need to get rid of things in our lives that destroy our spiritual lives. That's the sort of teaching of the New Testament. That's just one thing. But this morning, I just want to look at something from the Beatitudes that uh, we read of. Matthew 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit, for theirs shall be the kingdom of God. As I said earlier, many of the medical problems that we experience, this world experiences, can be traced to psychosomatic problems, things that abuse that we've suffered in our lives. Maybe things our parents have said over us. Maybe our parents and forefathers have done that have affected the generation now. But Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs shall be the kingdom of heaven of God. And um, that's a wonderful promise in itself, isn't it? That's an assurance that what God has provided, we can tap into and is ours for the taking. And so as a church, as we look at the kingdom of God, we know that there are other things besides just living good lives. But God has provided a way forward, a way out of understanding. It's not about being happy, it's about being privy, sharing in the knowledge and experience of the power of God at work in us. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. That means I can share, I can become, I can take hold of all that God has provided for me out of His richness, out of His blessing, can be mine. And that means healing as well. Healing of mind, emotion, and body. It's ours for the taking. It's not a list of do's and don'ts in order to be happy. You know, okay, okay. Well, I better be, uh, I better be sad today and put on my malady face today, so that I can have godly things. You know, I can have the enjoyment things. It's not yet. That's not what God is saying. It is saying you have spiritual poverty, but you need spiritual poverty so that you can know spiritual richness. Spiritual richness. The wonder, this word blessed, it exhibits the dynamic influence that Jesus Christ can have on our lives. It's the product of association with the outflow of his life and teaching and ministry. It's the word of celebration, the word of celebration for our lives when we know Jesus Christ as our saviour. In other words, we enter into all the blessing that God has through knowing Jesus Christ as saviour. That's a celebration over our lives. So when it says, blessed are you when you're poor in spirit, it means the door is opening. The door is opening for you to know all the richness of God that gospel brings. All the richness of the gospel, all provided through Jesus Christ. You know, God wants to deal with our spiritual need this morning as well as our physical needs. Maybe even more so. God can change. I I, I sometimes see that we've got little confidence in what God can do, and that's me too. And God wants to raise our confidence level. He wants to raise an expectation of what he can do for us this morning, of what he can do for us. He wants to heal us spiritually and physically. Poor in spirit, what does this mean? A poverty of the spiritual In our lives you know there was a lady in Mark 12 that Jesus noticed who put in all that she had into the Treasury she put in all that she had she was a poor lady she was a widow and Jesus noticed that she put all that she had into the Treasury but there's a bit of a twist to this story because she put in two mites which made up one farthing She put in her entire wealth on that occasion and Jesus noticed that. And this is the point. It was of value but it had no buying power. Okay? The twist is this. It had value but it had no buying power. And here's the first spiritual need that we need to recognise. God wants us to come to that point of submission that what he has said about our lives against what we think about our lives so that we might actually enter in for what he wants to do in our lives now let me put this in another way consider ourselves standing before God We might say well surely doesn't God notice the good things that I do Surely he must notice that. Mostly, I've never murdered anybody. Hasn't he noticed that? You know, just I'm a good person against all those other bad people out there. Hasn't he actually noticed that? Yes, he notices those things. They are of value, but they have no buying power in God's eyes. It can't buy your home in heaven. It can't buy you acceptance with God. It can't buy me acceptance with God. For that widow, it couldn't buy her a husband. She had no money to buy a husband. She needed some sort of money to get a man's interest. She had no money to have a doctor at any time in her life. She put in all that she had. And the first spiritual need we have before God is actually Submission to get rid of all we think that's good in our lives. That's a tremendous spiritual need because it's at that point we come to what the Bible talking about, repentance. Lord, Judah mentioned it this morning, I've got nothing to bring to this table except all the things which actually separate me from you. What this widow did was to throw it all into the treasure. She just threw it all away. It's all she had. It was her entire wealth. It had value, but it had no buying power. And that is a problem in our world, isn't it? It's a problem with all of us. There's a sense that it's pride that keeps so many people from God. Surely in the end he will see. No that is a desperate spiritual need you know God alone as Julian mentioned in worship this morning Jesus is the only one the only way the only one that can meet our deepest spiritual need that's why Jesus said if you really want to know the celebration of heaven if you really want to know God's purpose if you really want to know God's plan for your life Blessing, blessed are they. You need to be poor in spirit. God doesn't want you to be poor in spirit. He wants you to have a rich spiritual inheritance, but it's through that door. It's blessed through that door of poverty, as it were, we come into the richness of all. Not depending on myself, but depending on Jesus Christ that is the fundamental beginning place for the gospel of Jesus Christ all of Jesus and none of me none of me the poor in spirit so we're absolutely dependent on the mercy of God 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. That's where it changes. That's where it changes. The richness of God's kingdom, his inheritance for us, comes through the open door of spiritual need. That is the only way. But we, with all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, renewed into the same image from one degree of glory to another degree of glorious, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's what God wants for us to change from one degree of glory to another. He wants that transforming power at work in our lives, He wants to give us the lot. This morning he wants to give us the lot whatever it is there's just three things I want to focus on about poverty of spirit and richness of spirit. first of all I've already mentioned repentance it's needing that change of heart and mind to actually accept what God says about us is actually right is absolutely right and I find there's just so many people who can't take that on. Some people have another dimension and say, well, doesn't what I think right, that David Attenborough, doesn't what, I, what he thinks is right? He has a point. The next one is authority. The next one is authority. When Jesus, the kingdom of God, is about empowering believers with authority, When he sent out 72 disciples, he gave them authority to heal diseases, to cast out demons, and to do all manner of wonderful works. That was the authority he gave them. It came from Jesus, who alone has the authority in heaven and on earth. Now, the wonderful thing is, this is the second spiritual need. Repentance, authority. I once prayed to God, Lord, I want to pray with authority. And, the mess- and and in my mind, this came back to me as quick as I sent it out. You can have this authority if you first show authority on your own life. Self-control. If we look at one of the spiritual gifts in the New Testament, love, joy, peace, self-control, Control. You know, if we want to know authority as a life of a Christian, God wants to develop it first in us. I think it's in Titus it says that the Holy Spirit teaches us to say no. The Holy Spirit teaches us to say no. I think that is an amazing spiritual dimension which our world needs. Why? Because many of our medical problems are caused by people who can't say no. Can't say no to fags, can't say no to drugs, can't say no to sex outside of married relationships, people who can't say no to other forms of sexual abuse and whatever they may be. It has had a hold of them. And so the Bible tells us, not the Bible, it is a quote I got from this book. I've been dipping into this book, None of These Diseases. And um, in one place it says, I wouldn't take all that this book says, but it does say it's not so much what you eat, but it's what's eating you. What's eating you. There's a deep spiritual need here which needs healing. And one of them is authority in our own lives. Self-control. I don't see this with any sense of judgment or any wise, but so many today cannot say no to keep eating. And it's not because they want more food. It's because there's a deep spiritual need. That's just the way it is. I think God's about healing here this morning. As we learn authority in our own lives, it gives us authority as we work with other people, as we learn to pray for other people. God might say to us, what's the point of you praying for someone if you can't demonstrate authority in your own life? That is the one tremendous thing God gives us. He actually remaking us in the image of God. The ability to choose. The ability to choose what is right and what is wrong. The ability to make wise decisions in my situation. The ability for me to be the father I need to be to my children. The ability I need not to be judgmental ability to be merciful because Jesus went on to say blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy you know it's a learning process really isn't it it's a learning process authority the second spiritual need the third one is peace our world well I mean look at Israel and Gaza at the moment. The man who can make peace is going to be a person who's raised up and noted for his ability to do that. But the only one that can make real peace in that situation is Jesus. There are Christians, there are Jews and Arabs getting on well together in Christian communities. There are other sorts of people getting on there are also old people who learn who are getting on well together. It's not the question of a lot of places, old people, I've heard them, I've seen them at work, and they hate one another. Well, that's how it seems by the things that they say to one another. There's one customer I have up in Beltinge, and every time I go there, she puts her husband down something rotten. So, where do you get that from? I know. Kevin, I'll put ministry for you afterwards, all right? I've got a little bit of ministry for you afterwards. Yeah, okay. She does it. But it's our society, isn't it? These are real spiritual problems. Peace. Peace with yourself. Are you at peace with yourself this morning? Guilt. Something you wished you'd never done, regrets. I know I've mentioned these other things recently, but they're real big issues out there because I've heard people say them. I wished I'd never done that. I wished I'd never married that person. I won't take that any further, all right? Okay, but I wished I'd never married that person. I wished I'd never done that. You know, the sexual revolution of the 60s, has brought about some of the biggest problems in our society today. We know that. The war, in fact, with the country's still healing from war. Have you noticed that? Still, wherever there's war, it takes decades to heal. But our God can heal. And it's largely because of spiritual things that need healing, not so much the physical things. God wants to show his love towards us. As we've already seen this morning, he wants to demonstrate his love towards us. And it's this peace. Peace in families. Peace between brothers and sisters. Peace between husband and wives. Peace. is the most amazing spiritual thing that can come to us because of what jesus has come isaiah says having made peace through the blood of his cross is because of the blood of jesus christ at a tremendous cost has jesus provided the answer to one of the biggest needs in this world and that's peace peace this is a spiritual deep Spiritual need. Why do I say that? We don't have to go too far to look at self harming and stuff which happens because we're not at peace. Other sorts of people taking overdoses and all sorts of things because it's just because God wants to give us something so tremendous something we can't get from anywhere else we can't get it from counselors we can't get it anywhere else we can only get it because of Jesus Jesus said my peace I give unto you not as the world gives give I unto you but as I give it to you a peace which the Bible says is beyond human reasoning. But you know it in here because it doesn't come anywhere else but from Jesus. From the God of this earth. So we're just going to, just going to pray. You know, I think we should stand because of what Jesus has done for us.